0: You're listening to SMUB's Campus Radio. Say what you want to say. I'm Demin and welcome to the very first episode of our new podcast series, A Couple With, where we host alumni, experts of their field, for an informal coffee chat. These conversations will take us through their life journey as well as diverse perspectives on what it means to give back and how to continually create positive value through our work. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode, A Couple with Karl Marx. Our guest today is Karl Mark from the graduating class of 2013 from the School of Economics and he's the co-founder and business director of ESCAC, the OG of Singaporean memes that we can't get enough of. Hi Carl. how have you been in these very unique times? Hey,
1: thanks for having me. I'm doing good actually. I'm just glad to be back on campus. Never been in this room before so it's quite exciting.
0: Wow, okay. So is that sofa very comfortable for you? Super. How's your coffee? Excellent. Wonderful. So Carl, um, you're here today with us to talk about your journey with SGAG, where it all actually started on this very campus in 2012. So Carl, would you mind telling us uh, the very enduring curry sauce story, which is in essence the birth of Sgag?
1: Sure. So I came to SMU in 2009, and I made my way through School of Economics. I slowly worked my way into, I think, taking some of the business modules after clearing all the ECONS modules. And uh, we actually ended up in business entrepreneurship as an entrepreneurship major course, I'm not sure if that's still offered, but that was my major with Xiao Ming, who was my co-founder, also known as Adrian. And so we were friends from JC. We ended up in SMU together, having gone through three years of uh sort of SMU. We decided to finally take some mods together in the last two years, and I think we you know were obsessed with. Memes. We were obsessed with Facebook, I think, back in school, and we spent a lot of time surfing the internet, uh, social media, and just consuming memes. There was a particular class we were in where we were, again, not paying attention as we should have been, um, and looking at memes, and then we realized that, hey, that day, McDonald's had run out of curry sauce. Um, I believe it was actually a night class so we had actually planned to go to um, the, the branch at Raffle City to have nuggets with curry sauce and then there was this breaking news on CNA I still remember where they were announcing that there are no more curry sauce available, and it was a bit like a national crisis. So we were like, what? Why is this on all the major news outlets, right? It was quite a funny story. So we decided to make a meme out of it and put it up on a brand new Facebook page. And we just shared it with our friends who were also in that night class. And people just started sharing it. Um, and that's really how it all began. We we decided um, to make a couple of more memes that week, also based on happenings on campus, actually, of people wearing funny costumes during presentations. And the whole SMU versus NUS versus NTU thing started playing into the whole memes. Um, and then you had all these submissions from the different schools coming in. And it was the whole uni scene kicking off, um, which was great because we had... That was our first group of audience and it was a lot of fun for us to make these memes. So that was really the birth of ESGAD. I think the very first few memes were made in class about uni life.
0: That sounds exciting even as I'm hearing it now. So it seems like you're practically living out the Singaporean millennial and Gen Z dream, making memes, skits, parodies and pranks for a living on social media. What does that feel like for you?
1: It feels kind of surreal for me because, um, you know, we went to business school we went to i went to school of economics which was nothing like what i do today i i did a lot of econometrics i did a lot of stats and i honestly didn't know where my career was gonna what what it was gonna look like to begin with you know and i think doing what i'm doing today it's completely unexpected it's completely out of this world it is a lot of fun um so i mean i'm not taking this for granted every day is you know a new opportunity for us to create something to do something more and i think we've been having a lot of fun doing it
0: that sounds still very exciting i'm glad you're enjoying your work even after so many years so in one of your videos on nobat tv you mentioned how scoot was a turning point for skate and on Scoot's promotional video, they talked about the rivalry between the two of you turning out to become a win-win situation. Could you give us the story behind this? How a trolling page began to effectively help Scoot increase overall revenue in that period by 27%? Yeah,
1: wow, you're really posing some questions that are giving me major throwback moments. Um, Scoot actually launched a, a, a route to, I think it was... South Korea during the peak of North and South tensions. So it was a press release and all the major news outlets were covering it and we were like, why would you launch a, a route a, a air, airway airfare to South Korea when the North and South are about to go to war? That makes no sense, right? So we made a meme about it. And Scoot replied, and we were like, "Whoa, that's the first time like a brand actually replied us." And it led to this epic kind of banter on social media. And this was like twenty fourteen, so it was a big deal back then to have a troll page talking to a brand. And then the very next week, I believe it was bird flu in China, and they launched an airfare to uh, China to Guangzhou, I think. And we're like what you guys again what what are you doing you know first it was korea now it's china like what's up man and then they replied again and then in the banter they actually gave away scoot vouchers to our fans and we were like whoa these guys are pretty cool about it because back in the early days of social media brands don't know how to react to pages like us right but scoot was so savvy and they led to this giveaway and all the fans obviously loved that they, they they were like oh my gosh scoot is awesome right so there was a lot of positive reactions to that comment when they gave away tickets or vouchers and at the back um the scoot team called us and and they invited us to meet and they said hey we wanted to meet you guys to get to know y'all and to see what you guys are up to and we were like you know we're just Two guys, fresh grads, trying to figure things out, and they were like, wow, you know, the kind of engagements you gave our Facebook post, uh, or Facebook page, because back then a lot of the big brands were trying to build their presence on social. Um, so they were like, how about we work on stuff to talk about together for the next couple of months, and you guys just kind of make fun of us, um, so that we can create these engagements together. And we were like, whoa, you, so you'll pay us for that? And they were like, yeah, we will. So. That was actually the first thing that we ever did with a big brand. And we actually ended up making a couple of these super viral posts on social media and school sort of brand awareness and social awareness just shot through the roof. Um, and what happened was we finished the engagement um, and we just went on trying to pitch new clients. But then there was one particular morning when we came to work. Um, And we received so many congratulatory messages saying, hey, congrats, congrats on last night. And we were like, what happened last night? (laughs) And they were like, well, you won five marketing gold awards at the awards show. And I was like, for what? Like, how do we win that? Like, what's that? And people were like, yo, that's a really prestigious industry award that is really difficult to win. And you guys won five gold awards, which is quite a big deal. And that's why so many people were writing in that day to like, want to talk to us or work with us and that was actually the turning point for us
0: my goodness that just sounds like the business dream as a business student myself I'm very impressed by that it's it so was. exciting
1: Um, zero it was very low acquisition cost for clients and it sort of was inbound so we didn't have to do any cold calling or cold emailing. So yeah, it was the dream.
0: Since you guys made such a big impact, while well, reading up on the beginnings of MGag and PGag, which is the Malaysian and Filipino versions of SGag, it seems like the Malaysians and Filipinos felt that they were missing out on being made fun of. And they asked you guys to set up the gag page for them too. Were there any particularly funny cultural videos uh, sent to you by fans that helped convince you to set up MGag or PGag?
1: We looked at Facebook Insights, um, and there was a lot of data that showed that there were millions and millions of Malaysians reading SGAC And we were like, what are all these Malaysians doing here? Right? That was the (laughs) first question. And in the comments, in in the post, we actually put, hey, Malaysians, tell us what's up, like, what are you doing here? And we had all these comments coming in, and they were like, yo, we totally love your content, it's non-political, it's totally not, like, hate-driven, which... A lot of other pages were back in the day there were a lot of hateful pages but we were like totally there's just for fun right so people loved it and the Malaysians would come to our page and they kept asking us to open MGAG, right so that's exactly what we did we were like you know what let's just try it um and you know we eventually decided to uh take a pl- or get on a plane go to KL and just talk to people and that's how we ended up hiring our first team by talking to people who ran other meme pages or you know commented on our pages so frequently that we had to invite them for a coffee so that's how we buffed Mgag and Pgag as well Pgag was similarly driven by analytics where we saw a whole ton of Filipinos consuming Mgag's content and Sgag's content and we took a flight to Manila and we just said hey we're doing a fan meetup come see us at this place and and talk to us and a couple of guys showed up and they told us about the whole meme scene in in Manila, in Philippines, and that's how we got to hire our first few people as well. Um, Just community-driven and a lot of conversations over meals.
0: That just sounds like so many opportunities coming in again and again. The success you and your partner have achieved was well-acknowledged in Forbes Asia 30 Under 30 in 2017. But before you even glimpse success, there must have come many hurdles, right? So... Can I ask, in the initial stage, did people ever underestimate that your work? So, did they say things like, all you make is memes all day, or it's not financially sustainable? Do you get um, this kind of typical Asian mentality comments?
1: Absolutely. I mean, we live in Singapore, right? Uh, it's a harsh, critical, is a harsh environment filled with critics. Um, and of course, you know, having gone through SMU, we're like, people are like, what's up? Why are you running a meme page? People didn't really get what we're trying to do with our lives, but I don't think Adrian and I ever had. We were not people that cared about what others thought. We, we were quite independent in, in the way that we thought of ourselves and our careers. And we never sort of bought into the whole rat race thing. So we never felt the need to compete. We never felt the need to, to make others happy. We were, as long as we were happy doing what we were doing, we, we were, were cool.
0: So starting out as a Facebook page back in 2012 and now having seven different platforms from which you distribute content to Singaporeans on a daily basis, it's definitely a massive feat, one that I'm sure that has a lion's share of challenges along the way. So at what point of the early days do you realize that SGAG wasn't just a passion and had the potential to be more whilst doing more for the Singaporean community?
1: The, the key thing that we told ourselves was, okay, we're having so much fun doing this Monday to Friday. We, we tried to keep a good schedule of, of balance from day one, but we couldn't. Um, and we started to work seven days a week, probably 20 hour days on some days. And we reached a point where life was not that great. We, we were suffering through the work and we were drowning in the work. And that's when we realized we needed help. We needed people with different sets of skills, different sets of experiences and perspectives to help us on our journey. And, and that, I think, was the turning point where we decided to change the mindset of doing everything ourselves to working with an amazing team that can bring more to the table. So we started hiring people six months in. Before we knew it, within a year, we had hired like 20, 30 people. And we were like wow this is big suddenly we have to move we have to think about careers we have to think about processes and hr and finance and we we're like wow like this is getting serious so we decided to get equipped we decided that we needed the skill sets to become a proper organization because we had never worked in one before that was not easy because we were growing so fast concurrently that we needed to learn on the go and i think the analogy that we always use internally is we're trying to change the engine of the plane while the plane is in midair. So we needed to change our perspectives. We needed to change the way we conducted ourselves as leaders. We needed to build a a company identity and culture. And we had to learn all of this from people who had done it before. So it was a very, very steep learning curve. And I think when we passed the 50 man mark, that's when we realized, okay, like I think this is bigger than what we expected. And this is probably gonna go a lot further than what we had imagined. And it's time for us to really dream and be super ambitious about how far this could go.
0: So for you to take all of that in stride and being able to build it up to this while maintaining everything, I imagine it must have taken a lot of perseverance, drive and resilience. And those are factors that would turn these challenges into opportunities uh, for growth. So speaking of challenges, I guess we can call it the elephant in the room. How has COVID-19 in particular impacted your ability to create content and the rest of your creative team?
1: Um, What was amazing was when we saw COVID coming, the entire creative operation decided to decentralize everything from a shoot-from-home scenario. So what they did was actually they packed all their cameras into a take-home pack for each cast, because the cast would be critical, right? And they started shipping these home packs, which contain a mic, a camera, a light, And this was the basic setup all of them had, and all of them received one on the first day uh, of the work from home. And then they had virtual Zoom trainings where they were all taught how to use the equipment and how to submit files to the editors who were also work from home. So the, the, the teams built this workflow within a week. And all the ideators started scripting from shoot-from-home scenarios. So the way that they would do it is like, okay, you, you for example, somebody is pressing the doorbell and trying to do a delivery, and you're filming that on your own. The person receiving the parcel inside their home, which is in another house, would open his door and whisper through the door pretending to be talking to you. But actually, the way that they stitch it together would look quite seamless, but actually they're physically apart. And so they started integrating these tricks into the ideas and just started pushing out content piece after piece. Um, and the second thing that we did was to crowdsource content. We started launching these home-based challenges to tell people to make stuff and send it to us. And we thought that nobody would do it because Singaporeans don't really have that culture of creating and submitting things to people. We don't really have that, especially on video. But to our surprise, we had thousands of submissions. And so our content actually went up by 400% uh, in terms of the number of pieces we put up in within a stipulated period of two, three months during Circuit Breaker. And so the audience reached shot through the roof, which was absolutely insane. So I think that was quite a mind-blowing experience for us because we saw the dexterity and the agility of the teams coming together. We saw the coordination of each department with the other without the leaders actually having to sit down and plan. It was very much uh, ground up. It was ground driven by the guys who knew exactly what what they had to do so that was a lot of fun for me to watch because I was not involved at all Um, just watching them execute at that level was a very very proud moment for me
0: I just I'm so impressed by the insane efficiency of your team you guys really did create value through your work I can tell this to you for sure because sometimes my siblings and I send memes to each other from ASCAC and I can hear them laughing from the other room so this really does make an impact to us Singaporeans that's great now we've heard about your past and your present, so quick question, what do you think your future would look like? What are you guys intending to do?
1: So we launched a new business this year, which is called the Hemel Creators Network, which works with external creators in the gaming and comedy and ent- entertainment space to teach them everything we have learned in the last six years of making content. So we have currently about 150 creators that we work with, mainly in Philippines and Malaysia and Singapore, and their content does like 1.5 billion views a month. And it's nuts, right? So I think we're going to invest a lot in training, a lot in teaching. We're going to invest a lot in experiences on the mobile phone. And Southeast Asia is a lot of fun for us because I think Southeast Asia is very difficult to navigate because each country has its own culture, has its own language, has its own intricacies. And it's very difficult for, I would say, foreign companies that are outside of Southeast Asia to come in and try to take the region. A lot of them just look at the statistics and go, wow, we need to be in Southeast Asia because they look at it as one sort of region by itself. And they think it's sort of the same. But in fact, it's so intricate, it's so different that you need to really understand Indonesia for what Indonesia is, Philippines for what Philippines is. And I was told right from the beginning in my journey that Singaporeans have that advantage, or people in Southeast Asia for that matter, have that advantage for the region because the entire region of 500 million people or more is within a radius of a three hour flight. And that flight is like less than a hundred bucks. And there's no way that you should give up on this because you are so privileged to be in the area of rapid growth. And that's why I love Southeast Asia. So to your question, I think we're going to do more in this mobile ecosystem, be it a game, be it content, be it training content creators. Um, And I think we're hyper focused on the region because it's just going to keep blowing up.
0: That sounds very promising. I feel like ESGAC's future is very bright under your leadership. Thank you so much to Carl for joining us today and sharing your story with us. It's a pleasure to have you as our first guest on this series. That brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much, Carl. Thank you. Once again, you're listening to SMUV's Campus Radio. Say what you want to say. Bye. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Couple With. If you're interested in creating impact and giving back, head over to at SMU Alumni Giving on Facebook and follow our Instagram page at SMUBE for more news on SMUBE Campus Radio. Till next time!